So my my video. We're putting that keeps... part right in, so it's all good. <laughs> I hope not. I've been trying to like not show my bed because I seriously I did not make my bed. Nice. You need to. I didn't make my bed this morning either. You're listening to the John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted Korean American and more. And now here's your hosts. Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome to the John Chi Show. This is episode six. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Nathan. I'm KJ. I'm Patrick. And we are here again, and we are so happy to be here again. Sorry, that really, really got me. I felt like I just laughed like a a clucking hen, but that was really funny. We are here here again. We are here. Still here. Still here. But uh, (laughs) no, we are having a great time. We are talking today uh, with a great guest. And uh, I'm going to, before we talk about who the guest is, I'm going to throw it to KJ and ask, what is the John Chi mean? The John Chi (laughs) means the party. Uh, Chi means part of your celebration um, in Korean, and uh, so that's what we want this show to be about. We want it to be a big celebration about our identity as Korean-American adoptees, uh, third culture people, maybe, if you will. Um, so that's why we decided to call it The Chi Show, and now that you're listening, welcome to the party. Welcome to our party. I think that Chi is a great way to go into our, who our guest is today. Um, we talk about celebrating what we do on the show, celebrating culture, and I think that really fuels the conversation with our guest today, Minju Park. She is our first non-adopted Korean guest, um, but Minju is currently on a very similar journey to us uh, of discovery into Korea or the culture of Korea. Um, and today we talk to her about growing up outside of our mother country and how going to international school in the Philippines taught her the importance of language um, and being a third culture kid, as uh, what you'll find out. Minju helps us to learn why language is so important and how understanding the culture behind language led her to start the increasingly popular Instagram account, Fluent Korean. She also started a brand new podcast as well, which we will get into. And it's really, really, really some interesting stuff. Uh, Minju comes here and teaches us a lot. And that's what we're trying to do on this, pro- on, on this program. So later than that, we try some Cosmo crackers for the first time. And like the no, box says... Koso me. Oh, Kosomi. Kosomi crackers for the first time. And like the box says, they are sweet and salty. And yes. crunchy. Let's do this. So my experience with international students in America and then being an American abroad, uh, you know, they all, they're, the way that they speak English is usually flavored. Um, and so I didn't know, some of them will say, Oh, I learned my English by watching Friends, or I learned my English by listening to Justin Bieber, or uh, so. In in my assumption, and you can just tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, in my assumption of your school and and English training experience, if there were so many flavors of you know English accents and things, was there maybe a particular uh, piece of pop culture or American pop culture that you think might have? influenced you more towards an American accent? Or... Well, I, I think, um, you know, when you mix all the colors together, you get like a brown, like a very neutral color. And I think that's kind of <laughs> a lovely what, what happened. Um, I, I don't really know. Um, I mean, well, one thing, the Philippines, like one of their official languages 
uh, is English. It's a legacy of, you know, being occupied and kind of colonized by America. And I went to America for the first time when I was in my early mid twenties and people were surprised. They were definitely like, wait, this is your first time in America. Why is your English so good? (laughs) You know, or, or like, I, they'd meet me for the first time and they'd say, oh, where in America are you from? And I'm like, um, I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and they're always like, so sometimes I'd be like, okay, well, can you guess where I'm from? Just to be like, let me say, I want to know where my accent is from. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you have, you sound very Midwest. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not from the Midwest. And they'll be like, oh, the Valley. And I'm like, and you know, my perception of the Valley is like, Gag me with a spoon, you know, like the beginning of (laughs) that song. song. Yeah, so I don't really know. I've been um, kind of exposed to a lot of different media, not just American. So I don't know if if there's ever been like a big, um, you know, like a big drama or like a song that really affected me. But when I was younger, my mom told me I was obsessed with The Sound of Music. I had it on VHS and I had memorized the entire movie. And I would, like, my mom would say that I would laugh before the funny part, like, anticipating um, her sitting on the the fart cushion or something. Yeah. And I knew all the words. And then I would use the dialogue in, like, my everyday speech, you know? And then the part where. Um, like, oh, you like, are 16 going on 17. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like running around. I would like do that in my house, like run around like the walls and stuff. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's what I remember really liking when I was younger. And because of that, so when you think of like when you're younger, you don't really think about like, is this a new movie or is this an old movie? You just know it as like movie. So you don't really know that The Sound of Music is like a decades old movie. You think it's like, that's how it is. I was like, wow, you're like, that was like, I guess my first impression of like white people (laughs) (laughs) running around in the hills. (laughs) We all, yeah, we all, white people. Wow. (laughs) Well, my kids love do re mi, that's all they sing. Yeah. So that, that was before grade school um before the first grade um the first before kindergarten which is when I started um attending this international school with everyone um with different nationalities so that was like my first you know like very um I think you guys call it like a mid-Atlantic accent or transatlantic accent of like Transatlantic, yeah. yeah well to be fair uh KJ you don't have a Texas accent and I don't have an Oklahoma accent yeah, and that's where that. and that's where we were raised. So uh, I have an know, Indian I do accent. Y'all. So <laughs> you do? Okay. I I don't know what an Indian accent sounds like. So it sounds like this. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Also, this is this is my Texas accent. <laughs> that is your Texas. So yeah. I should say the first time I encountered a Korean American adoptee. I mean, I'd I'd encountered obviously other adoptees before, but specifically a Korean American adoptee was when I was already living in Korea. And he was a Korean American adoptee from Tennessee. And like outwardly, he looks Korean. So if he wasn't Korean, I mean, except for him being very, very tall. I mean, I don't know what they feed you guys over there, but he was very, very tall. (laughs) 
fake cow's milk. Um, but yeah, aside from that, <laughs> he had a very like strong Tennessee accent. <laughs> and I'd grown wow. up with everyone yeah. kind of not looking like their accent. You know, like I look very Korean and I grew up in Asia. I'd never even gone to a Western country. And until like I was like, a you know, an, an older teenager. And yet I speak English with an accent that is usually associated with North America. So even though I was kind of used to that, just seeing this very Korean looking man speak with a very strong Tennessee accent was very kind of like a new experience for me. What was he doing in Korea? Was he just visiting or how did you come across meeting him? Um, well, very random, but he, I think he was in the army oh, okay. and he was kind of looking to like connect. Well, I, mean, I think he specifically wanted to be stationed in Korea so he could, you know, kind of explore his roots and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. yeah. How long did you live in Korea? Um, I think, well, I mean, I've gone to Korea many times for like summer vacations and for small periods of time, like a month or two months, um, throughout my life. But then in terms of actually long-term living there, um, maybe three years, two years like that, like two and a half years. Are you a citizen of both the Philippines and Korea? Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but Korea does not allow dual citizenship. So if you take on a Filipino or an American citizenship, you have to drop um, the Korean citizenship. And just in terms of like traveling and well, for one thing, for traveling, it's so much easier to having a Korean passport. It some it often ranks higher than an American passport, by the way. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and of course, like there's just a lot of pride about being Korean. Um, even though I grew up, I spent most of my life in the Philippines because I grew up in a very international non-Filipino setting. I I never felt truly Filipino in any sense, not just because I was Korean, like in terms of citizenship. And even though I consider Manila my hometown and I love Filipinos, I never felt like I'm a Filipino because Filipinos have their own, you know, cultural pride and their own sense of identity that um, wasn't really my experience because I came home to Korean parents, to a Korean, very Korean family um, setting. And then I went to school and it was like, you know, over a hundred different nationalities. Even the Filipinos um, who go there, often a lot of them didn't really speak Tagalog either. So I I mean, I had a very Filipino experience in the sense that I can speak Filipino. Like if I watch a Filipino movie or a Tagalog movie, I can understand it and listen to the news and all of that. But also, I can't say that I know what the Filipino experience is as a Filipino because I'm Korean. Yeah, I'm curious. So um, I want to get to your your Instagram account and your upcoming podcast. But before we do that... Um, you mentioned in your yellow bee pot episode, just like early on, uh, this idea of, uh, third culture kids, which was, I think that's something that you and a lot of your student fellow students, uh, carried with you. So, um, when I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, I super understand that being Korean and American, uh, and adopted like that third culture. So, uh, I guess, how have you wrestled with or come to terms with 
having three cultures in yourself and uh, being okay or not okay with those coexisting with each other in you? I mean, well, so firstly is one of the reasons why I think language is so, so important and why I feel like language and culture cannot be separated is because I speak four languages, varying degrees. And I find that in every language that I speak, my personality changes a bit. I mean, I'm still me, but then because of the, the words that I use, I feel like that affects the way I think and the way I present myself along with the values that I'm expected to portray. So in English, I think in English, um, but I speak American English. So I, I always feel like there's like an American veneer through everything because of the words, the idioms that we use, like hit it out of the park. Like I don't even play mm-hmm. baseball and yet we know that that's a very <laughs> American um, thing. And it's like an introduction to that. Um, and then when I speak Korean, it's like, you know, I was having, I was talking to a professor the other day and he kept correcting me. I was like, well, this, we're talking about like different mountain spirits. And he was saying that I was like, well, this spirit, he is doing this. He is doing that because the imagery very Confucianist has always been, it's a male figure. And he kept calling me out. He was like, Midju, there can be female mountain spirits. It's just a very Confucianist patriarchal thing that they're, you know, the imagery is very male, but there were female ones. And he kept like, you know, correcting me. And I'm like, damn, I'm a feminist. And, you know, that Confucian patriarchal legacy is still kind of very ingrained in me that I have to be very aware of. And then in terms of like how I speak, um, like in Korean, I become more like, like if I say, oh, hi, my name is Minju. Nice to meet you. That's English. In Korean, it's like, oh, 안녕하세요. 제 이름은 민주입니다. Like, it's very, like, as soon as I'm in that situation and I switch to Korean, all of a sudden, I'm this filial daughter. I'm this, you know, um, I'm this, you know, woman in this very collectivist society that just wants harmony within our, and within our group. Yeah, I get right? that. I think I do the same thing with my own Korean. Yeah. Not that I become a filial daughter, I should <laughs> yeah whereas in english i'm uh, that's like another thing whenever i'm fighting with somebody especially like my or like arguing with my sisters or someone older than me and they're korean i will switch to english immediately (laughs) because it's just not fair because they already have an upper hand in terms of hierarchy and the language reflects that and i'm like no 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 this is a debate so we are gonna stand on equal footing we're switching to english (laughs) yeah (laughs) But then they're also... Yeah, because it's hard to be like, oh, older sister. Yeah, Yeah, because even the way I address her, like in English, I'll just be like, hey, Hyun, because that's her name, Hyunju. I'll be like, hey, Hyun, can you do this for me? But then if we're talking in English, immediately I say Hyunju Onni or Onni, which is older sister. And it just changes the kind of tone of the conversation Mm -hmm. where it all becomes almost like deference, deferential to her. Because like, Mm -hmm. of course, the mindset kicks in. And then in English, it's like, yo, like, give me this or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I don't actually speak that way, but that's the word that came to mind. Um, and then, yeah, so it's it's something that I think about often because it's definitely, I mean, it's all me. It's all of the experiences that came together for me to be this way. At the same time, it's like very different as well. I think 
speaking Korean also has a lot of benefits. I mean, the hierarchy also has some benefits because when you are put in that situation, and I know it sounds wrong, but and I, and I say this like in a very good way, in like a nicer way, um, you, you kind of know your place. Yeah, I, right. I know. Like that's like that phrase is like a very has like a negative association sometimes. Like know your place, but in in this sense, it's kind of like immediately you're like sandwiched between people who are you know above you in terms of hierarchy who are older than you and who are taking care of you and then in return you like show that you respect them and then there are people who are below you who you know look up to you and look to you for advice and help and in turn you know and respect you and in turn you take care of them and immediately you feel like you're part of like the fabric of a quilt you know you immediately you feel a sense of like I I know where I am in this in this kind of community and you feel like you're part of this group so I mean there are pros and cons to it and it's it's kind of nice for me to be able to to see both and to experience both Um, I think I definitely think it's a plus and not a minus there are some things that are hard um, especially when I never feel like I'm fully into one culture. I always feel like I have like one foot out in every culture that I'm in. And and I feel like it does make me feel like incomplete sometimes, especially when people in Korea are talking about something that I've never been exposed to, but apparently is a very common thing in Korea. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I should have done that or I didn't do that or... You know, something that would have never even like, do you guys know that if like your first paycheck at a new job or if it's your first job ever, it's customary to buy your parents a gift and it's usually underwear. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, awkward. <laughs> what a great gift. And I think <laughs> and I think my parents are still waiting for their, their pairs of underwear, but um <laughs> But I mean, that's, that like, that's awesome. like, who, who tells you that? Like, Dang, when you're yeah. growing up, nobody goes, by the way, so you're, you're taking, you're doing all these tests, you get into college, and, you know, once you get a new job, give your parents a gift. But also, why? I, I think it's kind of like socks, like when Western people give socks as presents because everyone wears them and needs them. Right. My Korean brother gave me uh, socks when I was in, uh, visiting him in Korea. I, I, I didn't know if that was a very common thing as well. Oh, so I wonder if it's like, do you think, and you may or may not know, is it like the the first step, like looking ahead to 20, 30 years down the road when your parents may like get older and you're like, I will take care of you. And so just is that like the gift of t- underwear, uh, that first step in saying like, I acknowledge what you've done for me and kind of low-key promise to return the favor when that time comes or is it just like i mean i don't think that i don't think that concept requires like a physical representation (laughs) because that's been ingrained to us since we were born i like you know one of my biggest fears is that one day my parents will die and i will feel like i didn't do enough for them when they were living and that's like a very like Korean Confucianist concept that, you know, it's weird because I never really went to school in Korea, but it's it's something that 
like hangs over my head like a sort of Democles wherever I am. It's like, is what I'm doing honoring my parents? And it, it does sound very like, for lack of a better word, like mama's boy. <laughs> 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 and, and I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not all consuming, but it is something that's always at the back of my head. Like when when they eventually pass on, because everyone does die, will I regret how you know our relationship or how I treated them in this lifetime? And everyone has a complicated relationship with their parents. I I think that's true. And regardless of that, I that's something that weighs on my mind a lot like what what will I think about like what will I like what, will I be proud of myself will I have you know done my mission and and the thing is I mean we, like, our, my family is very like we talk all the time we have like several group chats about different topics I don't know why people keep making new group chats when there's already ones that we're using <laughs> yeah I mean you know those people who create like group chats for every topic and like no we just use no, this it's one terrible yeah. Anyway, so we have several group chats on like different platforms because we need to have one on WeChat, on WhatsApp, on <laughs> Kakao, depending on whatever they're using. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, they're now very into technology. So, I mean, let, I'll let them enjoy that. Yeah. So we, or we talk to each other a lot, but it's still something that, you know, weighs on my mind. And I always wonder where that came from. And I, and I get it because I'm Korean and like we, we have like, you know, in the, in our family setting. And it's the example I set or I example I saw when my mom's mother, my grandmother passed away when I was in high school, I believe. You know, like the moment where my grandmother was like communicating in her own way to my mom that, you know, you did enough, like you made me proud. I was like <laughs> crying. I was like, oh my God, like <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, yeah. So filial piety, I think it's something that I mean I don't actively it's not something oh I must be filial it's not something I think about in that way right but I definitely you know I'm always grateful for my parents I'm I understand and realize that all the sacrifices they've made to give me the life that I have right now and the very fact that I speak English the way I do is because they worked hard really really hard to put me in a school situation that allowed me to have that and all the other opportunities I've ever had in my life is because of their hard work. And I'm very cognizant of that. And I really want to do um, really great by them. Yeah, I definitely understand that feeling of, of wanting to make sure that you have done enough for your parents. I think as an adoptee, uh, you know, I felt that feeling because I have a really good relationship with my adoptive parents. And I, I do think that a lot, especially now when I've started this journey of identity discovery and looking into my Korean roots and heritage and learning, you know, how important family has been through the entire entirety of Korea as a culture. And just realizing that those underlying things, even having been adopted, still reside in me. And that's why I feel, you know, such a like, what, like, what am I doing right now? And how does that reflect back on what my parents have done for me? Um, so I think that, I think it's, I think it, it's cool to see and hear from you as someone who has their Korean parents and, and has felt that and, and knows that feeling to know that that's where my feeling comes from. So it's not just, a, it's not something foreign to myself or, or something that isolates me. It actually something that connects me to the community. So, yeah, I, um, my wife and I, before we were talking 
before recording tonight um we we got to ranking my top my personal top three 90s disney movies uh which for me lion king will always be number one but number two and number three are mulan and hercules and i realized so just like while you were patrick and minju while y'all were talking i was like oh yeah i i understood some of those um ideas about family and honor and piety and 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 why that matters and 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 caring for your family and like even just in the fun song you'll bring honor to us all uh which is a super bop um but then That's even thinking about hercules and i was like like as a story i don't care but i remember um you know hercules singing go the distance and that whole scene where hercules realizes he's adopted and feeling so connected to that and that there was in his character such a deep love for his adoptive parents and also like knowing like his biological parents slash uh deity <laughs> were uh like that they even though like he would have been stolen like they still wanted the best for him and so like i think that for me at least the kind of that there's a double weight of expectation and for you know if you're a korean american adoptee or an adoptee listening to this and you don't have a great relationship with your adoptive parents or you uh have met your biological like i think there's some level of whichever set of parents you think about there's still always like at the end of the day uh you want to believe that both sets of parents were doing the best that they could for you and so i think yeah there there is some sense of like i should repay this somehow or at least uh honor this and pay tribute to this or you know even in some small way even if it's just a pair of underwear when your next paycheck <laughs> you know yeah i definitely agree with that uh kj i mean with with my journey when uh, i met um you know my family in korea and went back to visit uh, the grave sites of my parents that was very i mean paying my respects but at the same time internally the things i was saying was was gratitude was was thankfulness of the opportunity that they gave me and then of course you know, the amounts of times I've thanked my parents, my adoptive parents for the, the, the journey and the, just everything that they've given me here. It's like, in a way I'm trying to thank two sets of parents and stand up to both levels of, of, um, you know, potential and, you know, making sure that the, you know, if they're looking at after me or, or whatnot, I'm doing the right thing and making them proud. So yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a, a, uh, a you know a burden i guess in a way of of trying to make sure all everyone is is feeling that is that feeling of um wanting to make sure you you've done your parents proud is that something that's uh kind of pushed you to learn more about becoming more fluent in korean and, and taking that journey on that and that route i mean you speak four languages already you know you and and you talk about in on the instagram and in the yellow bee pod uh, episode just about why it's important to and you talked about how important language is why that's important has that been something that's been a big influencer for for going on this journey i mean definitely i mean my first realization that i may not really be kind of very korean is definitely from my relationship with my parents i mentioned in that other podcast that my mom called me like there's a foreigner living in our house or and by foreigner she means a westerner um, there's a Westerner living in our house, and th- it's always made me feel like 
you know, maybe I'm very different. And you know what? My older sister, she was like really, she went to law school in Korea in Korean. Hmm. So that's impressive. That's <laughs> and right. she almost tough had act the, to follow. Yeah, she almost has that similar experience as I do, and she worked. She works ex- incredibly hard. Um, so every success that she has, it's definitely like through her own um, effort. And of course, I mean, every like it takes a village and all that. But you know, she definitely works hard, and she deserves all of her achievements. But anyways, so she, you know, her grasp of Korean is a lot better than mine. And my Korean has always been like conversational. I mean, I guess I can express mm-hmm. myself, but it's gotten me into trouble a lot of times because of the whole like intricacies of the language, like the hierarchies, the the vocabulary that you use, like even, you know, to eat like mokta or like there are so many different levels. And then you like switch up the word if you're talking to someone who's very older, it's like to a completely different verb, to shita and like all of those things. So Definitely, I feel like learning Korean and trying to immerse myself more in their culture, my motherland, is me trying to get closer to them and understand them more. Um, and I do see it as like an element of hyodo, which is filial piety in Korean. But I mean, I do have other motivations, which are, I think one of you guys talked about um, the evolution of my account. And I was so happy that oh, yeah. you guys caught that because in a way, like starting this this whole project was very, um, I guess, I, like for the lack of a better word again, um, I find that English sometimes is very limited in being able to express things, but in almost in a very like self-centered way, selfish way, because my motivations a lot of the time is self-improvement, like getting better, being better than who I was yesterday. And when I first started the account, it was because I was trying to um, improve my digital marketing skills, my writing skills, mm. my design skills. And when I was looking at all of those, um, like the blogs and the websites and the podcasts or like the Coursera courses, they were like, if you're going to do it, just start. And do it in a topic that you really love. And of course, by that time, I was already obsessively researching and wanted a place to kind of like document that and all of that. But then I've noticed that. So I'm very happy that like, you know, if you guys see my first graphic, it's literally like a water drop, like one shape. (laughs) And now I'm able to do more complex vector illustrations, which I'm very happy about, but I still have a long way to go. So it's always been about like self-improving, self-improvement, becoming better at something, learning. And when I was doing a leadership like met, like program at my former, at the company I used to work for, one one of the like the mentors were like, you have to look for what people are like motivated by and kind of like lead them with that. And I was like, what are my motivations? And the person who was conducting it was like yours are self-improvement and learning and a quest for knowledge so I was like hmm, okay well that does sound like me um and then now it's become to, so it's like it's always been about like me wanting to improve myself wanting to improve my Korean wanting to improve my writing my my design skills um being able to work like a website um I'm like the not very tech but you know I have a website and I like it. It's very nice. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think I knew you had a website. I like the I'm color scheme and yeah, it's great. Thank you. And then now it's like people are messaging me and now I'm realizing that, 
okay, so I thought I was in this journey alone and I was just, you know, like self-studying. And it actually, it's gotten to a point where I'm realizing that the work that I'm doing is, even though it was very like, you know, selfish in that I wanted to just learn by myself and like kind of, it was like for me, I never, I didn't really think about an audience. I didn't think about like followers or likes or whatever. I was just like, okay, let's, let's try this. Let's do it. Let's practice. And so I really appreciate that people are kind of like, I guess, learning together with me and that it's useful for other people and not just me. Yeah, that's what I was. That, I, that's what I liked about it was just to see from day one just the single graphic, and then you see it change after about like ten or so posts where it's now three things, and you started at then you started adding the audio portion into it, and then putting it in different scenarios and breaking it down even further where there's now five swipes and there's so many or mo- more things, and I think just seeing that evolution over even I feel like just a short period of time too when you take a step back and look at it overall. I think it's really cool to have seen that evolution. And yeah, your graphics and stuff are amazing. So mm-hmm. I think that you. you, you're, you, well, for whatever reasons that you have done it for, uh, it's turning out incredible. So, yes. Uh, yeah. So if you haven't seen it, go to at fluent Korean on Instagram. It's really, really incredible. And I think, so the thing that drew me to it was, uh, it's really quality content. And I think because it's you're doing it for yourself, then we kind of learn at your pace and your learning style, which for me anyways, that lined up really easily. I was like, I can take a nugget, like a single idea at a time and just kind of digest it and save it and come back to it and then you know move on to the next thing. Uh, so the content is really good and your design scheme and the aesthetic of it, like just the way it's laid out, makes it really accessible too. So um, yeah, it was really, really great. And I'm really happy that I've stumbled on that because again, like as I was, uh, felt like I was falling and just grabbing at all things Asian, uh, aid to come across things that were Korean was really nice, but also it's not like your standard, um, uh, talk to me in Korean is the the group that I use to like practice my own Korean. So like, but that it feels like a, an academic way of learning Korean or there's like speedy Korean on Instagram. And that's like really run and gun. It's like too conversational. Cause I don't have that many Koreans to practice with. So I'm like, that's not helpful either. Uh, so, so your, your stuff fits in a really nice uh, middle ground. So especially if you find yourself like I have basic uh, beginner Korean skills and I want to take a left turn and, and, and dig into a deeper sense of Korea and Korean culture and Korean language. That's a really cool thing. So, um, and before we, we leave this, uh, I, I wanted to ask, so your, your mom said, you know, like, Oh, we have a, a Westerner in the house. And, and I think this whole conversation, we've talked around this idea of, uh, Confucianism and, and essentially in my own words, just kind of that East versus West mindset. Um, and i I have always been so fascinated by this and being in America and not really knowing where to look for Korean culture, I've generally just looked to Japanese stuff because like The Last Samurai was a movie that I got to see as a kid (laughs) and uh, anime like Pokemon and stuff. I don't know, like I could watch whatever like that for whatever reason, like that was always more accessible. So and I know that it's it's a little similar in kind of the um, reading the room and some of that nuance of. I said a thing and then I realized that I stumbled into something that I was not at all what was being communicated. So um, how have you navigated that in um, 
I guess in the in the world that you live in versus maybe even the world that your parents live in and kind of wrestling with that east and west uh continuum in your own brain. Um so growing up I always thought I was very western mostly because my primary language was English and that kind of dictated a lot of the ways that I thought um my thinking. And when I went to America for the first time, I thought I would feel a sense of like familiarity with the culture and that I would feel at home finally because that was always what I was told. You're too Western. You're not Korean enough. And then because when I'm in Korea, I'm so Western. Like I'm considered very Westernized. And then when I went to America, it was like I am not Western at all. Um, right. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely an Asian from Asia. This does that make sense? Uh, it does not make sense, but <laughs> only because like ninety percent of what you just said was cut out. Oh no! <laughs> so like I could see that you were talking and picked up enough things. I was like, okay, and like staring very intently at your lips. <laughs> I was trying to I read lips to too. Read <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, uh, but I was like. Oh man. So it was coming in and then it would just go right back out. Yeah. And the things that came in and out, I was like so excited about because I'm like, this is a great answer. But it's, I'm sure it's good stuff. But it's there. It's there yeah. too. I can yeah, see yeah. it on the track. So, so. Um, no, but what I was saying is that a lot of the English language literature and discourse about Koreans outside of Korea is very North American centric. Yeah. It's always about Korean Americans or Korean Brits or Korean Australians or Korean Canadians. And yes, like representation is so important for minorities, especially in countries where they are minorities. You know, I grew up mostly in Asia, so I always saw Asian people on TV and all of that. But I speak English as my first language. It's the language I'm best at. It's the language I think in most of the time. And a lot of the resources are just not made for someone like me with my experience and it's also there's like a distinction between like usually it's always like korean americans say versus like asians in asia as if we're like some completely other group and i do i don't really fit in with the the trope of like koreans in korea because i didn't really grow up there But I'm an Asian in Asia, and I speak English fluently. So I also wanted to create a resource where it's not, I mean, it is in English. So no matter what, I can't ever escape, you know, the Western North American, um, the very Anglo veneer, I guess, of it, because it's in English. But I also wanted to be able to show um, global Koreans and the experiences of that, Um, I mean, I have friends who are Korean but grew up in Guatemala, and they speak Mm -hmm. English fluently also. So it's it's like their experience is completely different, not necessarily an American experience, but they speak English. And there aren't a lot of resources for overseas Koreans um, that are not not living in a very Western or um, Anglo-focused country. Yeah, you talk a lot about uh, on your just on your um, trailer for your podcast, as well as on your website of the diaspora of the Korean culture. Is that something that's going to be a focus of your podcast? Yes. When I was in 
high school, I went to a summer program in Korea called the homecoming program. And it was like by a major Korean university, one of the sky schools. And they literally brought Koreans from all over the world, like Germany, France, um, Egypt, Asia, and obviously the Philippines, and all just everywhere, North America, South Africa, um, South America, Europe, like so many different countries. And it made me realize that we are everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's Definitely. even in my school growing up here, 20% of the, pop- the student population was Korean. And it's like, so we're a lot of people. We're all where the the diaspora is huge and and it's like everyone's experience even though we have the collective experience of being an overseas korean we still have very different the same way like with your podcast the korean american adoptee experience is so different every episode i've heard has made me cry in a different way um (laughs) um, i feel like i have cried in almost every episode starting with um the snowball um (laughs) And then um, that's a great story. Yeah, and your guest last week about her relationship with her mother and her birth mother. Oh my goodness! Um, and like when her voice breaks off, and I was like, I could, I could feel the heartbreak. And it's, it's like everyone's experience is so different, and mine certainly is not like a standard um, Korean experience. And I know all, all of yours are different. So definitely diaspora stories, but really this podcast. Um, that I'm working on is basically it's very Tao, very Tao, Taoist in a sense that mm-hmm. not like it's not going to be about just Taoism, but it's Taoist in the sense that it's like a downstream river. Like I'm already doing having these conversations. I'm already doing the research. Might as well catch some fish and you know, document it and release a podcast. I mean, if I'm already doing it, <laughs> I'm not like swimming up a river or anything. So just making it like a conversation that I'm already having with other people, the research I'm already doing, um, the questions I'm already asking, and then just documenting it and putting it out there for other people. Um, hopefully it's useful for them as well. I love your Korean proverbs, by the way. On, on your <laughs> Thank you. It, I always tell people, like, I always get questions like, why do you focus on proverbs and axioms and idioms and stuff like that like it's not very useful in everyday conversation and i'm like well actually we speak very flowery in general koreans do like if you speak to my mom i feel like i'm listening to a poem half the time but (laughs) but i think idioms are so good in preserving and like it's like a screenshot of what people are thinking and believing at that time Mm -hmm. and the example i always give is um, you know that saying, um, speak of the devil and the de- devil doth arrive. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it kind of speaks to a very like Anglo fear of like very Christianity. So what they're afraid of is the devil. So this idiom exists in other cultures. In China, it's Chao Chao. That's what they're afraid of. He's like a very fearsome war general, right? Very successful war general. So th- it's like, and then in Korea, it's and the thing that they were most afraid of was a tiger because tigers are the king of the mountain. And Korea, if you don't know, is 75% mountain. Interesting. So I think idioms are very good at showing what people believe in, what the, the daily circle, like what needed to happen for an idiom to exist. 
you know, what needed to happen for a proverb to exist. And I think they're really good at capturing like little parcels, little snippets of culture, little nuggets of culture. And they're fun to draw. They're fun to illustrate. I mean, imagine having to illustrate like a boring dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. My name is Patrick. And I think there's lots of meaning behind it as well, though, too. I mean, the little stories, little things to think about. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, let's transition to food, to Kosa McCrackers. So we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we will be eating some, what does it say? Sweet sweet and salty crackers and salty. with Minju Park. We'll be right back. KJ, what are we eating today? Today, we are eating Kosomi Sweet and Salty Crackers by Orion, or as we would say it in the States, Orion. Check it out, y'all. Yeah. What? And so there's this fun little French person, and then on the back, there's another French-looking person. How exciting. Uh, Let's talk about the packaging, though, because it has a lot 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 going on. on. Um, Nathan, yeah. you had some thoughts. Yeah, I, in, I was curious on it. I mean, the first thing that I saw when I looked at it is I totally thought that was a pineapple. I don't know if it's because of the little like flower <laughs> oh. coming out of the top of it, but it looked it looked different. I think that was a weird placement for that flower, but it's the only one in color. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was intentional. But uh, mm. um, and also to note, ours here in the United States is in English and French. Uh, whereas Minju is in facts. Korean, mm-hmm. so all in Korean. Oh all dear! Korean, you know, so, yeah. speaking of that, actually, so when you introduced um, these crackers, which I've never had before, um, you introduced them as sweet and salty crackers. You said mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. it says in English. Yeah, that's what it says on the packaging. But yeah. on my packaging, it does not say sweet or salty. It says kosohan cracker. Kosohan cracker. And and this is actually called Kosomi. And it even gives the Chinese characters Gao Xiao Mei, which means Gao means high or top or top, Xiao means to smile, and Mei means beautiful. But then in Korean, Koso, Kosohada is like a very like Koreans have so many words to describe taste. And Koso means Kosohada means it has a very um, sesame seed flavor, like a roasted sesame, mm-hmm. um, nutty, fragrant, mm. savory flavor. Mm. So okay. you kind of already can look at it, and it has. Yeah. It does look like it has sesame seeds on it, um, and then they just created like a fun name, which means like you know, big smile lady, which is funny because is she even smiling that big on the packaging? <laughs> yeah. Dude, the girl on the scooter is, um, has a little bit bigger smile. She's got a grin. They're just being sizes. She's on a scooter. Wait, you have more than on one? The <laughs> other lady looks like she's yeah. running away from her baby. She's like, I'm yeah. out of here. I'm going <laughs> to get it. I just Close have one crackers. lady. And then the other side. Or she's Wait, so pulling the baby What does the back of yours look like? I've been robbed of the second lady. Oh no, you only have one? Well, it's because I have a, it's a smaller packaging. True. You pay for ours the smaller the, crackers. Oh, okay. ours ours even have you don't get them. Yeah, ours has eight bags inside it. So this is well, America. Go right bigger, go home. For getting the smaller one, I don't oh, get the baby lady. And here, maybe you can translate. It, it is all in Korean uh, on the, the packaging. This is Gosohan. You're, you're holding Kureko. it upside down. That's what Nathan. that says. Nathan, it says. <laughs> what does that say? Gosohan Kureko. 
Oh. Yeah, Kozuan Kurekko. And it's important to note that when using um, Konglish words, you have to pronounce them in a Korean way and not an English way. Mm. That makes you have, sense. You have to say, you have to say, um, Kurekko instead of cracker. Kopi yeah. or pizza. Kreko. Wait, is this upside down? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Guys, yeah. we need to have yeah. a Janchi boys learn how to read Korean. Yeah, I would like that actually. I took that very little Korean. All right, I took enough to learn the alphabet. So good, good it. thing is it was easy to open. So that's yeah, good. it was. That was pretty good. Ooh, I love that we're. I love that we're like you know judging that it was very easy to open. Uh, the yeah. Nongshim shrimp crackers not easy. <laughs> not to easy open. to open. Lost lost points for unease of open. All right, mine looks salty mm. and sesame seedy. Going in. Ooh. But is it sweet too? Mm. It, this is delicious. This is a terrible, terrible mistake for this time in the morning for me to eat. Oh my gosh. Because they good. Yeah, that's, oh. This is, as Koreans might say, mm. they even smell good. That is mm. thin and crispy and crunchy and salty and sweet. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. So try I'm to describe too. it. To an American consumer, what does this taste like? Yes. Because Americans, you know, we love our sweets. Mm. No, that was to you two, fools. Oh, well, not American. Sorry. Describe it for, what? Oh, describe it for an American audience. What is this? What, like, what does uh, it taste like? It's like a vanilla wafer with a little bit more salt, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. That, does that sound right? I wouldn't um, even say vanilla because a vanilla wafer is so thick. This is like a really thin, crispy. Um, okay, a thin, crispy vanilla wafer. Yeah, maybe it's, you can call it it's that. buttery. It's buttery. Ooh, yeah, buttery. It's very buttery. Melts in the mouth. Mm -hmm. I don't know about and yet melts it's in salty. The mouth. You can see the salt on it, and then on top of that, and actually, and I actually sugar. had a little. I had some problem finding it. I was walking up and down the cracker and cookie aisle. I could not find it anywhere at the Korean market, and then all of a sudden. I was getting ready to ask somebody, and I was looking toward the front, and right up at the very front in the like entrance way is where the boxes were. Like, like they knew mm. this is a popular product, and it was going to go quick, so they wanted to showcase it right at the front. Mm. Now I see why. Isn't that where they put like the items that aren't selling, and then like for people to like <laughs> to like see it and be like, oh, okay, I might as well. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was right next to the choco pies, so, if that, so I <laughs> well, think that's, that's prime real estate. Yeah, that's right. In America, up at the front is like the impulse buy section. So you're like, yep. you see it as you're like getting in line. You're like, oh no, I, I need to have that. Obviously, There's so a I don't know how it is for you in the Philippines. What your grocery yeah. store layouts are like? I might eat this whole bag. <laughs> <laughs> It, I mean, it reminds me also of a wheat thin, but crunchier and butterier. Yeah. And sweeter. It also has coconut on it, apparently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It also oh. apparently has oyster shell. <laughs> Nathan, why do you have to share that fact? I mean, it's not wrong, but like... Yeah, oyster why? shell. That's what it's way down at the bottom, from. though, so it's not even... It's not even... Not even there. But, well, technically, you're right, because right above that is the mm. bicarbonate ammonium. Wait, ammonium bicarbonate. Okay, it's more wait. Of that in it so than oyster shell. My 
That gives it the crunch. My crackers were born March 9th, 2020. When were y'all's born? April 6th. Okay. April 20. Oh, man, I got older Ooh, ones. Mine's the baby of the family. Um, July 3. Oh, nice. Because you're so close to Korea. Yep, that's the Maybe. fresh. The freshness. I'm, I'm surprised that actually... It doesn't have as strong as a sesame taste than mm-hmm. I thought it would have. True. Because the sesame taste is very, um, like, not pungent, but you can smell it right away and you right. can taste it right away. Yesterday, I put a bunch of roasted sesame seeds onto my rice because I was um, trying to make kimbap rice. And mm. I put way too much because I love sesame seeds and I just got really excited. But then the entire bowl of rice just tasted like sesame seeds, <laughs> which <laughs> normally I'd be fine with. But I was like, oh, no, I'm not the only one eating this. <laughs> How considerate of you. I made, like, I made the bop today and I just poured the sesame <laughs> seed oil all over it. So Yeah, sesame seed oil, too. Like you mm-hmm. put like a little bit and it's like takes over the entire thing. Yeah. And that's kind of like the. Koso, that's like literally what the word koso describes. Is sesame flavor? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's your vocab koso. word. Um, yeah, koso. my wife saw that you had posted that, Nathan, the bibimbap, and she oh, was really? like uh, excited about it. We just made um, kimchi fried rice, and oh. I just added like, I like made the rice, and then, because it wasn't the same day, but later, so. But I put in some <laughs> sesame seed oil, and it's like, oh, this makes it feel... Like what I know, because as an American, I'm just like, yeah, olive oil, that's fine. That's all you need. Like you do the eggs, whatever. And then, but yeah, it's a sesame seed oil that like takes it just mm-hmm. a little distance closer to like, I've had this before, yeah. you know. And mm-hmm. the gochujang. So, you yeah. got to add that in there. I Actually, I have one that has vinegar in it, so it may be a little bit different, but um, but I like that little vinegar kick to it, so. Uh, and I made it with black rice, which was the first time I'd tried it with black rice, mm. Korean black rice. So The very good. last one I just ate, I got some sesame there. I got a good <laughs> hint of sesame in the taste. I thought you were going to say you got some oyster in the last taste. <laughs> you're the only one. You're on the oyster train. I'm over here on, this, on the sesame I've, I've just, just never seen that in a product before. That's all I'm saying, except yeah. an oyster. I feel like it's getting stronger sesame flavor as i make my way down the package i don't like there's only eight in this box all right scale from one to five french ladies like a million out of five kosos out of these me's okay like so many it's so good patrick i'm giving it a a solid five out of five Mm, minju what do you think of them you've never had them either so i don't know um a three (laughs) Oh, oh dang! Ooh. You gotta elaborate, please. Um, please, Minju, elaborate. From come the, on. Coming from the Philippines, how is your sweetness meter? Do you like sweet foods or no, or more I, salty, I love savory? desserts. Okay, I love desserts, but I don't like them too sweet. And if I had to choose between something savory and something sweet, I'll I choose savory. Mm, but I love okay. desserts. Like I'm the kind of person that has to like have a dessert at the end of the meal, and I tell people it helps me digest. Which I think it's true. Desserts help me yeah. digest. Yeah. Um, Depends on what it is, for sure. <laughs> What's your favorite I Filipino agree. dessert? Ooh, so much. Okay, well, first you have to try the hot, which is basically soft tofu with like, um, like pearls, like tapioca pearls, or like little, like those like clear boba things. 
Uh-huh. Okay. And then um, I love puto bumbong, which is kind of like a rice cake. I love how that sounds. <laughs> yeah. I love all of the like the rice cake based desserts, like bibinka, puto. Oh my goodness. So I know that that's like a bad word, puto, but <laughs> yeah. in, in the Philippines, <laughs> it's like um, it's like a rice cake. Oh, okay. It doesn't sound great in Spanish, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Tagalog, yeah, it seems yeah. okay. Well, so uh, I also give them five out of five because I, I do think it's a very tasty cracker. I, I was surprised. I didn't actually think I was going to like these. <laughs> uh, Minju, um, could you let everyone know where we can find you? Where's the best places to go look for your podcast that's coming out? Where Where else can we find you at online? Okay, so you can find me on my website, fluentkorean.com, and my Instagram, fluentkorean, at fluentkorean. I recently made an Instagram account for my podcast, at fluentfools, which I'm, I'm deciding whether or not to continue or not, but we'll see. I like it, but we'll see. Um, it's hard enough to focus on one Instagram, <laughs> but I think it's a lot of fun to do. And my podcast is called Fluent Fools. If you want to know why it's called Fluid Fools, look at my trailer or any of my digital assets. <laughs> it definitely is, I think, is very clear. Um, you can search for it on any podcast app or just go to fluentfools.com. It'll direct you to uh, whatever app that, you know, is more com- compa- most compatible to you. I don't know. sounds like a dating thing, but it's not. It's for <laughs> podcasting. Um, I swipe right on Overcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I use Apple Podcasts, but... I don't like how it doesn't show reviews. I mean, I want to know what people are saying about the podcasts I listen to, but they only show it from the ones that are from your region. Mm. Hmm. Oh, that's And I guess nobody in my region is listening to the podcasts I listen to because <laughs> very popular podcasts have no reviews whatsoever. Uh-huh. Interesting. Well, you're starting the trend on that. Um, you can also find the John Chi show wherever you are most compatible with podcasts. And you can also catch us on Instagram, Twitter, and all other social media channels at John Chi show. Minju, we really enjoyed speaking with you. Yes. It was such a, such a great time to talk to you. Send us an email. If you're into lighting, writing long form, uh, notes at, uh, what's our email? John G Show John at justlikemedia.com. If you would please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that really helps us get noticed. And if you are a fellow CAD or you know another Korean American adoptee or just any other adoptee or people who like good podcasts, then they probably deserve to hear about our show. So please leave us uh, a review for that. That helps us a lot. You can find me on all of the places at KJ Relke, K J R O E L K E. You can find me at Nowak Photo on Instagram or Nathan Nowak Photography, <laughs> pretty much online. And you can find me on Instagram at Patrick in the World. You can also find me on SoundCloud at Patrick Isn't Real. And you can find me on Facebook if I accept your friend request. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. Minju, can you send us off with a fun Korean proverb that may or may not make sense to what we talked about? It can just be whichever one you think of first. Mm-hmm. My favorite one right now is Pyeongjugo Yakjugi. Nice. And oh, I'm pretty can sure. Can I that, say what it means? Well, <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure that means have fun and we'll see you later. <laughs> but you can also say what it means for real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it means to. Give a, d- a disease 
and to give the cure, to give the poison and the antidote. Okay. I like it. Uh, I think I can infer what that actually means, a la Fluent Korean's Instagram style, but uh, hit us up on social media and we'll talk about it there. Bye! Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Okay, stop all of your recordings. (laughs) Stop. 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 Stop.